Thank you so much. Um, it is just such an honor and privilege to be here today, and it's been so awesome to get to know Jennifer and so and Pastor Greg and Jane and so many of you through the years. Um, so thank you so much. And I want to thank the worship team. That was awesome because you set the stage. I mean, there's nothing like having the presence of the Holy Spirit in this room and in our hearts. I mean, that is the foundation of everything we do. So I'm so grateful. And one of my favorite verses is, in his presence is fullness of joy. And at, at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. And it really is a pleasure to be here in his presence. And Tiffany, that coffee is really good. You guys have really good coffee. <laughs> like, yeah, you guys know how to do the coffee. Um, so, um, so as I said, thank you so much for inviting me to be here today. And, um, you know, we're recognizing the sanctity of human life. So if you wouldn't mind, I would like to ask that we just say a prayer. Um, I just want to thank you, Lord, so much for loving us that you even created us in your very image. We are your offspring. Thank you for your sacrificial love that while we were yet sinners, you died for us. And as we hear this presentation, please help us to understand the times, see through your eyes what you are doing, and know how to respond. In Jesus' name, amen. So thank you. Um, I'm going to share a lot of information. So if you haven't had coffee, you better get it now. Okay, so, um, so I'm just going to kind of paint a little picture to help you understand what's going on, because you're not going to hear a lot about this in the media. But last Friday, I got an e email from our umbrella organization for um, pregnancy resource centers in the country. I call them PRCs, the acronym. So um, Karenette sent us an email that informed us that our United States Senate refused to protect babies born alive after failed abortions. So earlier this week, they failed to pass either of two bills that would help protect these unborn children from abortion. The first bill was titled the Pain-Capable Unborn Child Protection Act and would prohibit most abortions after 20 weeks. The point at which several studies show the unborn are capable of feeling pain. The second bill titled Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act would have required the transfer of infants who survive abortions. They denied that. Transfer to hospitals to take care of them. Both proposals needed 60 votes to escape filibuster and move on to receive a final vote to pass the Senate. They both failed to pass. So um, that's what's going on. But you know, the other thing is in Isaiah 520, we shouldn't be surprised because this is what he says. What is wrong will become right, and what is right will become wrong. So this is what's happening. But. Um, what does sanctity mean? Have you ever thought about what the meaning of the word sanctity it is? It's really the state or quality of being holy, sacred, or saint, saintly. So each of you, you yourself, your life is sacred. God said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I set you apart. 
And Jeremiah 29, 11 says, God has a purpose and a plan for your life, the, born, the unborn, everybody's life. And God's word confirms that all life is sacred, as is yours. In fact, the American College of Pediatrics states this, research confirms that human life begins at conception. The human being emerges as a whole, genetically distinct living human organism, needing only the proper environment in order to grow and develop. The difference between the individual in its adult stage and in its zygotic stage is one of form, not nature. This statement focuses on the scientific evidence of when an individual human life begins. So human life, born or unborn, is holy and sacred. We have God's word and we have the scientific proof. However, since 1973, in our country alone, nearly 61 million unborn babies' lives have been ended through abortion, more than the entire population of Italy. And every day in our country, every day, approximately 3,000 unborn babies are losing their lives. Every day. So as the U.S. enters our 47th year of legalized abortion, the implications are far-reaching. However, here are a few examples of how it's affecting each one of us today. The birth rate in our country is at its lowest ever. And over 10 million children who should have been born are not in the workforce. So how this is affecting ever, every sector, especially elderly health care. And some estimate that the economy will lose billions in economic impact and annual tax revenues. So this is already affecting Social Security. In addition, abortion is impacting our nation's race breakdown. So nationally, the Centers for Disease Control, Control state that nearly half of African-American African -American pregnancies end in abortion. And in New York City, where Planned Parenthood happens to be headquartered, more black babies are aborted than born alive. And in 1939, the founder of Planned Pregnant, or Planned Pregnant, Planned Parenthood. Her name is Margaret Sanger. She stated in 1939 her desire to exterminate the Negro population. And likewise, the Hispanic abortion rates also continue to increase as the younger generation moves farther away from the generally pro-life values of their parents and their grandparents. So right here in Montgomery County, in 2018, the statistics show that abortions right here in our county increased by 23%. Over 2,800 unborn babies were aborted in our county alone. So even though, have you heard about how abortion clinics are closing across the country? That's good news. So are you wondering then what's happening? <laughs> After all, look what Ohio has done. Right here, you'll see in a nutshell. In 2017, Ohio passed a law prohibiting aborting babies diagnosed with Down syndrome. And in 2018, they passed a law to prohibit dismemberment abortion. And in 2019, the heartbeat bill passed. All great laws, but Planned Parenthood and other abortion providers sued, and none of the laws have ever taken effect as they remain in litigation. 
So here's what we do know. First, the internet. Y'all on the internet a lot? <laughs> it's a tremendous influence, and just for me personally it is, but can you imagine the influence of the internet on young, vulnerable, impressionable minds? of the younger generation. So it has a huge influence on women and men seeking abortion. So there are two abortion methods. There's the surgical abortion and there's chemical abortion. And the chemical abortions are through what's called the abortion pill. In family planning, plan A is birth control, plan B is the morning after pill, and Plan C is the abortion pill. And Plan C has been promoted across the internet and social media. And here is an example in this video of one of the many videos that women may see when searching for abortion information on the internet. So pay close attention to cap captions. Might want to, should I turn off the lights here? It is very possible, even likely, that we won't be celebrating the 47th anniversary of Roe v. Wade this time next year. Even if Roe versus Wade is upheld, there are still four out of five women in this country who don't have access to a safe abortion. They need a plan C and they need it now. There is hope and it comes in the form of five little pills. A plan C for when your period is late. Ninety percent of counties in this country lack abortion clinics. So if you don't live in a major city, or have easy access to transportation, or have a flexible work schedule, or access to childcare, or the ability to spend hundreds of dollars in a short period of time, getting an abortion isn't an actual option. Abortion pills have proven themselves to be incredibly safe and 98% effective. In other countries, you can order them by mail or pick them up directly in pharmacies. Imagine a world where we can order these five little pillows on our phones and have them delivered to our doorstep. But we don't need to imagine. The 21st century abortion already exists all over the world. No taking two days off of work. No spending hundreds of dollars. No brainwashing mandatory services meant to make you change your mind. Just exactly the medicine you need, exactly when you need it. Our plan C already exists, but let's make it a mainstream option. This is my 21st century abortion. 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 Learn more at plancpills.org. So uh, just to recap, the abortion can be taken up to 10 weeks of pregnancy. And this website, plancpills.org, which you'll see all this information, um, or that website in the back of the uh, insert that you have, it informs women that they can self-manage their abortion through suppliers and states that provide telemedicine abortion services. In addition, they also note some states that don't even require a physician's prescription. They also list websites that don't even ask for a verified prescription. And this is supposed to be all in the name of women's health care. Increasing the number of providers has caused an increase in patients, abortions, and therefore revenue in their pockets. And it is threatening to revolutionize and completely transform the abortion industry. Their agenda is clear. Proclaiming the abortion as a 21st century abortion and pushing for unregulated and self-managed access.
So live action, it happens to be a pro-life news and commentary publisher says women will abort at home in a more private, secure manner, which may be easier for the public to accept since the clinics won't have to have, or clinics won't have the fetal body parts to market or dispose of. And unfortunately, the woman herself will now have to cope with seeing, seeing the, and discarding the products of conception. So in 2018, chemical abortions, the abortion pill, in Montgomery County, use of that increased by 232%. And we can only surmise that increased advertising of the abortion pill through the internet and social media, like the ones that you just saw, have directly influenced the increase in abortion. And in addition, Google advertising restrictions have hindered our ability to reach abortion-minded women, in addition to increasing the cost of advertising to reach them. So second, social media outlets like YouTube are also tremendous influencers. And I'm gonna sh um, he's going to show you a short clip of this video posted by a college student. I just feel like I want to be in a really good place when I have a child. I want to be financially stable. I want all of these things that we all want, um, but sometimes we don't get. But I wanted to figure myself out before I have a child. Like we, I, I know that when you have a child, they take your life away. Like you don't have a life. You are living for another human being. You're living for that child. And I was not ready for that. Like I said, I was. it was my birthday, it was spring break. I was doing a pageant. So I literally had to do all this during a freaking pageant. And um, I had to go back, come back to school and finish living my regular life, finish going through the pageant process, actually having the pageant, like all of that. And you know, I, I really just did not feel like it was my time. God was really telling me like, it's like your time, and I feel like as a woman, this is my body. I'm older. I'm not living in the house with my parents. You know, I'm paying my own rent, um, and this is my life. Like, I don't want to give my life up yet. I'm not ready for that yet. So, I made that decision, and I'm living with it. But when I got, when I was driving up to school, that's when kind of like the next morning, like I really felt it bad so I kept like taking pills taking pills taking pills for pain and I mostly slept through the entire drive back home like six seven hours and um I pray for forgiveness like I still feel like you know it was a life and it wasn't a full life it was a bundle of cells but I still feel like I should pray pray for forgiveness pray for a healthy body after this process I prayed for a future a good future and I prayed that my body would be able to produce a child in the future um, so yeah it was so um, here are a few examples of comments that were posted on her YouTube site one of them as you can see there I feel so terrible knowing there's a living being growing inside of me but no that's the only decision for me and then another girl posted, I really wish things were different. It's comforting knowing the baby will go back to heaven, but it's heartbreaking when I think about the baby haunting me in my dreams, asking me why did I kill them. I hope myself, the baby, and God will forgive me. 
and another woman saying, I'm currently going through the process right now. I was six weeks. No one knows I did this and I feel so alone. God, please forgive me, please. So media, as you can see, is a powerful influencer. And sadly, as we just heard these girls refer to their babies, God and forgiveness. So this is my third point here. We must be biblically literate. We must know God and his word, for it's in God's word that we find out who we are and therefore where our worth comes from. And last year, after presenting at a local church, a longtime church member said to me that he was pro-choice until he saw the movie Unplanned. Thankfully, the movie changed his mind, but church, God's word must be what changes our hearts and our minds. I don't know if we can begin to imagine the anguish and pain that women will endure from the effects of pills that unnaturally dispel the products of pregnancy. But I do know that just as the Miami Valley Women's Center is here to support women who abort, we must educate women so they never do. Amen? So... And we must be there so that we educate them so that decisions are not likely. So the abortion clinic or pill must never look like a more compassionate alternative to the local church. So we need to learn what love looks like. Studies show that we have approximately 36 hours to reach a woman from the time she thinks she's pregnant until she makes the appointment at the abortion clinic. Now we must reach women in the pause, and our strategy intensifies to reach them before discovery of pregnancy. So we believe that God has called the Miami Valley Women's Center to courageously educate women and men through the church, through social media, and through our abstinence education program so we can educate everybody about abortion because it is affecting every single one of us, as I explained to you earlier, and to increase education on college campuses. So we are here to serve the church from the inside out. Sorry, I gotta um, make sure that I'm right here. I think I might have, okay. <laughs> Sorry, I have a lot of papers here. Um, So, okay, so we should be on the next slide here. We are here to serve the church from the inside out because statistics show that 54% of women having abortions identify as Christians. You there? Yes. And in, a, in addition, a joint Lifeway Research and CareNet study found that 37% of women, Christian women, were attending church once a month or more at the time of their first abortion. In fact, one abortionist invited to go to church by a pro-life advocate stated, I'll go to church when the church stops coming to me. So this, believe it or not, is a huge opportunity for the church, right? To have an opportunity to reach these women and have an impact on those decisions. Because as you see, we're in the church. This is no different than divorce. So 
Truly, I applaud the leadership at the church for sharing this ministry. But before we can help, we gotta understand, why are Christians getting abortions? Number one, biblical illiteracy. And then, this same study between LifeWay Research and CareNet found some of the top reasons were fear of judgment. 65% of post-abortive women agree church members judge single women who are pregnant. And then fear of gossip. Many women with unplanned pregnancies go silently from the church to the abortion clinic, convinced the church would gossip rather than help her understand her options. And in addition, when we talk to women who come to our centers, they list many reasons that you even heard that this girl shared for her reason for abortion. Lack of support, unstable job and finances, and pressures from a partner. But most frequently, it is fear as their reason for choosing abortion. So I ask each of you, if your daughter, your son, your grandchild, somebody you knew in church experienced an unplanned pregnancy, could they come to you? And would they? And if they did, how would you respond? So we just heard how we should not respond. We must not judge or gossip. But Christ, praise God, show us how, shows us how we should respond. We are called to be imitators of God. Love always protects, so we must not take actions that fail to line up to Christ's example and make abortions decisions more likely so that the clinic or the pill does not become the most compassionate option for them. So this is where learning to understand what does love look like and how we can be a part of restoring rather than punishing people when they fail. So the greatest opportunity we do have to save babies, if you think about it, really is right here in our own churches here in this country. In fact, um, if you've ever heard of the Life Institute, the president, Brad Mattis, this is what he said, engaging churches in the day of the abolitionist movement helped them turn the tide or turn the corner to victory. So this really is an exciting time for churches to make a difference. Those who face a crisis are most often open to the message of salvations, and we in the church must realize that this can be effectively used to advance the kingdom, and what better place to provide life-affirming support and ongoing discipleship than right here in our church. Amen? So here's something that's really cool is Making Life Disciples. This is a program available to churches where we can train church members to help women and men experiencing an unplanned pregnancy and provide them with practical information and tools and reassuring counsel. So it's an opportunity to save the unborn, help those who have chosen abortion, and also help the church to mobilize an effective ministry to young people, not just in the church, but even in the community. Because they will know that we are Christians by our love. So our vision at the Miami Valley Women's Center is so cool. 
get this, it is that every person in the greater Miami Valley will experience gospel transformation that empowers them to choose life for their unborn children and God's design for sexual purity. (laughs) It's pretty big, but God's vision is big, wouldn't you say? And so it is working, one woman and man at a time. In fact, last year, you'll see right here, nine out of 10 clients chose life and 60 clients made a decision for Christ. So we are making a difference. We are committed to reaching students And Jane can attest to this. She's been a part of Equip for Life for many years. And you ask why? Well, because in Ohio, 61% of women having abortions today are in their 20s. So it is vital that we are out there on our local college campuses. So what we do is we have our campus outreaches so that we provide information to raise awareness of our services. We educate students about pregnancy, STDs, safe dating, sex, and abortion risk. It is vital. And did you hear me say, I didn't say safe sex? So we are here to also support the church through abstinence education programs, now available to youth groups. So it's available here, it's available for the Boy Scouts, the Girl Scouts, whatever group would like to have a health class presentation called Worth Waiting For, we do that. Because you know the church is providing um, purity for the youth groups, but you know we have no idea if these youth have that personal relationship with Christ. So you can teach purity, but without that relationship, it's not gonna make a difference until perhaps later. And we don't want that later to be too late. So we need to be able to come alongside you and teach abstinence education and the power of that. So we're working to spread the word that abstinence is a powerful positive and it is a very possible choice through the worth waiting for class presentations and small group mentoring programs that we have called gift and team for middle school age students. And we can train people in the church to teach these small mentoring groups right within their own churches, make it available to your youth and youth in your community. So we are here to support the church by providing also our medical services and programs, including incentive-based parenting programs for men and women. And for those who've experienced a miscarriage or stillbirth, we provide grief support through a program called Silver Linings. So we are here to support the church through our abortion recovery ministry as well and help women and men find healing because statistics from the Guttmacher indicate that one in four women by the time she is 45 will have had at least one abortion. One in four. And more than half of post-abortive women have never told anyone in church about it. And half of them feel the pastor's teaching on forgiveness doesn't apply to them. But abortion is not the unforgivable sin. And on the back of your insert is a very short clip of Constance's testimony, which is also available online. And if you have struggled with an abortion decision, whether it was yourself or helping somebody, we are here to come alongside you in abortion recovery. So Psalm 107 says, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story, how he redeemed them from the hand of the enemy. So in a very ironic way, it is a very 
huge honor for me and a blessing for me to tell you how the Lord rescued me because all of those statistics is me. I, re I represent every single one of those statistics. So here's my story. In 1998, I was a student at the University of Cincinnati. I was a, no, no, wait a minute. Okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. I was a stay-at-home mom. I was really active in our church. Anybody here a stay-at-home mom active in the church? Okay. So I considered myself a Christian, but I felt empty and nothing or, and no one could satisfy me. The only feelings I had were anger. And not knowing why I was so angry, how could I ask anybody for help? So, but I thought there's got to be more to being a Christian than this. And I wanted that abundant life that he said we could have. So one Sunday morning, I went to church and my pastor shared about the Miami Valley Women's Center. I had never heard of a pregnancy resource center, but um, the liaison announced a tour of the center and it sparked my interest in getting involved in pro-life work. So I decided to go on this tour. But at the ultrasound room, the woman who was taking us on the tour shared a story about an abortion-minded couple, and when the father went in to see the ultrasound and saw his baby, he exclaimed, how could I kill my beautiful baby boy? And I began sobbing, and I had to leave the room embarrassed and confused because I had never cried about it before and I didn't know why I was crying about it then. So this is when I was in college, 1987. That's a long time prior to that point. I was a student at the University of Cincinnati and I found myself in an unplanned pregnancy. And you know, after the initial shock, I called Planned Parenthood and they said there was a three month wait. And I thought, by then it'll be a baby. So I called elsewhere and they scheduled me in there for an abortion and I had to meet with a counselor. And I asked her, is there a baby inside of me? And she said, no, it's just a blob of tissues. It's no big deal, I've had three myself. But you know, the one question I didn't ask her is when does it become a baby? So in the recovery room, I could not understand why all the girls, and there were probably about this many girls in there who were crying. You see, my heart had turned to stone. We're all different. We all respond to life differently, but my heart had turned to stone. But I praise God because instead of, a, of volunteering, I became a client of the abortion recovery ministry. And I almost didn't participate because I knew I was forgiven. So I wasn't sure how this could help me. But I am so grateful that I stayed because through the forgiven and set free Bible study, I learned that God has a personality. I learned who he is and how I was fearfully and wonderfully made. And then I realized if God loved me that much, then surely he loved my unborn baby that much too. And I finally felt how my abortion broke his heart. 
and my heart finally broke for what broke his. And 2 Corinthians 7.10 explains it so well. It says, godly, it is godly sorrow that brings about repentance that leads to salvation. And when I finally grieved what I had done, it allowed him to heal me and turn my heart of stone to a heart of flesh. So I named my baby Samuel because God heard my cry. And I wanted, him to, I wanted to dedicate him to the Lord. And God's promises in Jeremiah 29, 11, and Romans 8, 28 came to fruition in my life. God used my unborn baby's life, Samuel, to save mine. So then came the refining process. I didn't want to pass my sins and its consequences onto my children. So I needed to learn how to love. And I began praying, Lord, show me what love looks like. Teach me how to love, because I didn't know how to love. You know, when you come from a stone heart and a shut down heart, you gotta start from square one. You don't just all become, all of a sudden get it. And perhaps the best of example came in 2015. I began working as a director of development at the Miami Valley Women's Center, and my 17-year-old daughter, who had grown up in the church, had sworn to abstinence in a moment of temptation, got pregnant. But you'll see what transpired was truly providential. <laughs> and I gave her a big hug and kiss through her repentant tears. And I said, you know, you can kick and condemn yourself, or you can choose to embrace this life. I choose to embrace this life. But you know, even though I struggled, and you know how the Lord knows your thoughts before you even think them? I'm like, Lord, how's this going to reflect on me? Here I am in this position at the ministry. And you know what he said? I'm going to laugh at this one. He's like, Jenny, I'm the father of all you sinners. How do you think that reflects on me? <laughs> I told you it would make you laugh. He's got a good sense of humor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so we definitely need to get over ourselves and how that reflects on us. Yes. So, and then I wondered, <sighs> okay, Lord, does a baby shower condone the sin? And my sweet friend, Sherry, who's the director of evangelism and discipleship at the Miami Valley Women's Center, reminded me about God's love through the parable of the prodigal son. I knew the story, I just didn't know how to apply it. But God runs toward us in our sin, doesn't he? He doesn't make us pay a price for our sins. He already paid the price. The prodigal son received a grand celebration. Christ would not deny a celebration of his creation. So we had a baby shower. Yeah. And afterwards, her boyfriend Walker and his mom accepted Christ. And they planned to get married, and I was thinking, Lord, I prayed over a decade that my children would marry a godly spouse. What's up with this? 
And then that happened. He went forward and accepted Jesus as his savior before they got married. And the Miami Valley Women's Center gave Danielle and Walker a solid start. So Walker was able to participate in the dad's program and get mentored one-on-one with an incredible mentor. Danielle took the mom's program and likewise had a wonderful mentorship. She continued her mentoring through Earn As You Learn and discipleship. And both earned baby bucks to be able to purchase much needed baby items. So we weren't going to enable them. They, they were gonna have the pleasure of knowing that they did the work and earned what they needed in order to provide for their needs of their baby. And they got married and he joined the Air Force. And Walker, as a new believer, only 19 years old, began leading his Sunday school class. Who does that at 19 years old? And then Danielle, at 17 years old, began leading a Bible study on base at Shaw Air Force Base. Who does that at 19 years old and 17? And our grandson is now three and a half years old, and we have another blessing of an 18-month-old grandson. And um, wow. So that's what happens. So it all goes back because the leaders in my church, my pastor, our liaison, shared the Miami Valley Women's Center with the entire congregation. Because if not, I would not be here today if it weren't for this ministry and my church and I'm Lord and Savior. But because of them, I can tell you that I am no longer enslaved in that invisible prison. And I am forgiven and I'm set free and God changed the course of my life, Danielle's life, Walker's life, his family's life and future generations because my grandsons are being trained in knowing who God is and what he looks like. And it is because of your support that I'm here today and I am able to actually serve through the ministry that saved my life. Now, only God does that. So I tell you, though, the the neat thing is God tells us how we should respond in Proverbs 24, verses 11 and 12, as you see up here. Rescue those being led away to death. Hold back those staggering toward slaughter. But if you say we knew nothing about this, does he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who guards your life know it? Will he not repay everyone according to what they have done? So I'll leave you with a few ways you can take action. Number one, you've already taken one step. Your church has embraced this ministry, and we cannot thank you enough. My passion is to build up the church, because when we are healed within the church, we have the power of that resurrection power to meet the needs of a broken world. But it has to start right here in the church one by one. Number one, we ask that you pray. Pray for God's wisdom to lead us, especially in the way that we market and advertise to the people in our community. Because as I shared with you briefly, Google AdWords restriction can be an obstacle, but I believe our God can overcome all those obstacles. We are pursuing Snapchat advertising and creating a video to counteract the one that you just saw. But we need prayer for wisdom to how to do that and the provision to be able to do that financially. 
Next, volunteer. There are many ways that you can volunteer, whether it's one-on-one -on -one with mentors where you would receive training, or if it's on an as-need basis to just come and help clean one of the centers that's nearest you or to come help with bulk mailing or come help me in development especially for the walk for life we need a lot of volunteers to help us with registration and all the things that are happening at the walk for life which is on may 16 at the dragon stadium it's a lot of fun so jen's going to be sharing a little bit more about the walk for life later on um, probably sometime mid-march so um but if you could consider how you can make a difference um, downstairs where the potluck is going to be there is a brochure called discover your calling and it can give you an idea of all the different opportunities that there are available to volunteer online and also I highly recommend going to miamivalleywomencenter.org that's our partners of the Miami Valley Women's Center website everything that I have on the table basically is available on our website however um, details about some of our programs and services like abortion recovery ministries silver linings for those who need the grief support from having lost an infant a little bit more details available on our table downstairs um, also there is a way that you can support the ministries through your your financial support so i'm grateful for that surprise offering jen's like i didn't know about that but thank you so much um we're a f we are a 501c3 and basically we do not accept government funding because we want the freedom to share the gospel so we do depend on individual partnerships um, financial support through individuals churches and organizations businesses and grants so that we do have that freedom to share the gospel but there are other ways that you can support the ministry there's a ministry support brochure downstairs downstairs where like if you go to Kroger's you can designate us as the one who who benefits from your purchases. Even if you buy Choose Life license plates and things like that, you can host baby showers, um, diaper drives, baby bottle boomerangs, and it doesn't always have to be church-wide. We've had girls sell, or even adults celebrate their birthday at the center and donate, ask people instead of giving them gifts to donate items that would be used for the baby boutique so all that information is available on our website and different ways that you can spread awareness number one please go to our partners of the miami valley women's center facebook page yes pull out your cell phones now like us and share us because the number one way people hear about us is word of mouth and social media as I already shared, has, is a powerful influencer, but the more we can post and share, and that way you'll also get up-to-the-date information of what our needs are. Um, we have a mailing list. If you sign up for our mailing list, if you don't already are on that, you'll get our email blast and our hardcore snail mail. Um, we don't bombard you with a lot of information unless it's really important. So, And then you could always see in the subject line, if it doesn't apply to you, you don't have to open it. But anyway, just to let you know that we're not the ones that send three every day. So not even one a week. So um, that's it. But after this, um, I will be at the information table and hang out with you guys, get to know you. Feel free to talk with me later if you would like to. I'd be happy to speak in any venue because, like I said, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. And I, I wouldn't want to ever keep what he's done for me from anybody else. So I praise God for you and thank you so much for your time, your attention, and your action.
That's it. <laughs>